Good morning. It is a, once again a pleasure as we are on this occasion as we come together to worship the God of heaven and spend this time in worshiping the God who created us and continues to sustain us day by day. The last two weeks we looked at a sermon. It was broke, We broke it down on a uh, Paul Faulkner's uh, little definition of peace of mind. It simply reminds if God being my helper in a world of needy people, I've resolved to will myself to be responsible, to face reality, to do what I ought to do, and to like it. This morning we want to go a little further with this, but I'm going to take you in the opposite direction this morning when we look at this lesson. Reminded as Isaiah prophesied of the coming Christ in chapter 9 and verse 6, one of the words he used to describe him was simply the Prince of Peace. The night the angels announced to the shepherds the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem, they ended by saying, Peace and goodwill on earth. From that point forward, we realized this world would never be the same with the birth of the Son of God. But also at the same time, we realized this world would never be the same because He was bringing this gospel of peace to the whole world. This gospel that would grant us a peace that Paul describes in Philippians 4 and verse 7, our key verse, the peace that passive all understanding. And He brought it through that, and the world has never been the same. And that blood that He shed on Calvary is the capstone that gives us the excess of being able to remove from our life the chaos and frenzy that we face because our lives are grounded in the things which we learn from Jesus Christ and from His Father and obey and live to. In Colossians 1, 19 and 20, it's, Paul said, Therefore it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness should dwell and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So we realize in anything that would hinder that, anything that we would say stand in the way or however you want to describe it, these wonderful great blessings that keeps us from having that peace of mind that we want would be a crime against heaven. We sung an old hymn that said, Peace, perfect peace in this dark world of sin. It is the blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Peace that the mind can only understand, the peace that gets us through day by day. And apart from the Word of God, for a moment, set it aside, we have had, as we said before, we've had people all over the world has written books on telling people how they can achieve peace of mind. And one of the things that you will notice as you read their formulas for being able to do so, if you dig down deep enough, you'll begin to realize one thing. Those statements, those ideas, those formulas, being able to achieve peace of mind came from here. Came from here. They didn't word exactly the same. They packaged it to make it look like it was their idea. But it all came from here. So all these years, what makes it sad is most everybody that wants peace of mind that wants to be able to say that I, I, my life is even killed through no matter what life may throw at me, I'm able to sail on, has looked everywhere else but where they should have all alone. Here's the answer. 
It is here long before anybody ever wrote the first book on how to achieve stability or peace in life. It has always been found here. The poet Emerson wrote a, a set of words that is true. He says, the wise man in the, the wise man in the storm prays to God, not from safety from the danger, but for deliverance from fear. It is the storm within that endangers him, not the storm without. Oh, how true that is. He put it in words, but the Word of God's already stated that. The Word of God already has made it plain that we need to ask God for deliverance from fear of the things that we're going to have to face in life day by day. Rise every morning and help, and ask simply the Lord, help me through this day. Ought to be our prayer every single morning. A challenge to us is found in Psalm 68 and 13. It said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Why? Because He is the God of our salvation. When that same thing Paul said in the first chapter of Ephesians, that all the spiritual blessings, those things which help us go day by day as we grow as a child of God are found where? In found in Christ Jesus and they're found nowhere else. But in spite of all of this, in spite of the fact of trying to let people know here is the answer for peace of mind, here is the answer for stability in life and facing the problems of life, ah, but here we are human beings. What is it? What is the first thing out of our mouth when something goes wrong? What happened? Well, it was and it always ends up being either something or someone else's fault but ours. What is the famous saying? The air is human, but to blame it on the other guy, and let me add, our God is even more human. That's our story. That's how we handle things. That's how we take care of the problem of life. It was, it's always somebody else's fault. And we throw God in there as well. At times, many people say, oh, this was God's fault. I want to blame Him. I'm going to put Him at ease because He caused me to do this. It's always been that way and always will be. But the problem of this is, this answers, those uh, accusations do not ever give us peace and contentment. And that's the reason why this morning we won't look at the other side of this coin. From how to achieve peace of mind to how to lose it. And if you think about it, we can lose it quicker than we gained it because we're human beings. We will look at some things this morning that causes us to lose the very thing that we want so badly in our lives. The first of these is obvious because we see it every day on the newscast. We see it every evening in the, or morning or evening in the paper or on the news channels 24-7. And that is the discouraging news and world of this old world which we live in. The gospel is called the good news. That has never changed, has it? Through all the centuries, it is still known today to us as still being the good news. But in spite of the fact that it's still the good news, people don't have time to read it. Or I should say, they don't take time to read it. Let me rephrase that. They don't take the time to read it. 
But why? Because on the evening news or the 24-hour news channels or the newspaper, they're more glued to everything that's going wrong in this old world. And the constant negativism that we read about everything going on and this, that, and the other happening throughout the world. What captures the imagination is war, skirmishes, bad things happening capture attention more. But you watch it, if there happens to be a peace going, a peace happened and stopped all of this, and peace has been found and everything is settled back down, you get about five seconds and let's go back to the war. Why? Because the people rather hear about that and the fact that there's peace on this old earth. They don't grab the headlines, it is the wars. We live in a time when we have probably now more than any other time prophets of doom. Everything's going to go wrong. This is happening because of this, this, and this. This result will happen. Oh, I know the world's going to go down this way because of this, and they have all the answers for everything. But what's the problem? We forget what our Master even said Himself. In John 8 12, and this has never changed through all the centuries, Jesus spoke to them saying again, I am the light of the world. Who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John in his first epistle, as we've been looking at the last several weeks in chapter 1, called it what? Walking in the light. As he is in the light. Or we would almost want to say, because he, is, we're walking light because he is light. And that chapter reminds us there's no darkness in God. Here it is, Jesus said back in the first cent- back in that time when he was on earth, in that time he says, I am the light of the world. I'm bringing to the world good news. I'm bringing to the world a means of being reconciled to the God of heaven. I'm bringing news that will give everyone that peace of mind and stability in life no matter what goes on around them. They're able to face it. I am the light. I am the Prince of Peace. But instead we hear all of the bad things every day. No wonder our peace of mind is shattered. This glad message of redemption should be heralded far and wide. It needs to be, as we say, screamed from the housetops. This is what will give us hope. This is what will give us stability. And this will give us solace in the time of need. To have peace of mind, we have this assurance written by the Apostle Paul. And we cannot put it any plainer. Romans 8, For I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Notice what he just said to you. It makes no difference. Paul covered it all. Anything that happens in our life, we don't have to worry about one thing. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. And that's the one thing we do not ever remember. We forget. We remember all the bad things going on. We talk about it constantly, day after day. But we forget. The good news is that God loves us and nothing can separate us from that love. 
So you want to lose it? Fill your mind with the things going on in this world and dwell on them 24-7 and you will lose the peace of mind. The second thing that will cause us to lose it is what we call double-mindedness. Paul writing to his brethren in Corinth, the problem congregation that he had, tells us in the first epistle in chapter 11 that he says to them, it's impossible for you, he says, to partake of the Lord's table while engaging in the devil's food. You can't do it, he's telling them. One of the most famous statements concerning this is found in 1 Kings 18.21, which simply says, we dare not falter between two opinions. That statement still rings true. Then it was written centuries ago. What is he trying to tell us? Well, mine simply says we can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church at the same time. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount reminds us in John's, I mean Matthew 6.24, no one can serve, what, two masters? <laughs> Why, Christ? Because he'll either hate one, love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, Christ is using what we would tend to, we've, a term we've used through the years is, you can't ride the fence. Another way of putting it is this way. He talked about what? Two ways, two ways in this life, did he not? The narrow and the broad. There ain't no third way made up of both. That road does not exist. And it never will exist. But yet the world and its being double-minded and being fickle absolutely is in their mind has created a third world and says, oh, I know how to do this. I can walk in both at the same time. I've served my God. I love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind. But at the same time, you know, I like the things in the world over here too. They're fun. That's good. Let's go this way as well. So I'll walk in both of them. <laughs> you can't do it. As the old saying is, you tried to ride that barbed fence, you're going to rip your pants. And you know what I mean. You can't do it. James writing put it the plainest I think anyone has ever written in the Word of God in James chapter 1 beginning with verse 6. Let him ask in faith no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. For not let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways. James just flat put it plain. One thing you like about his book, he's blunt. <laughs> he's blunt. What did he just tell you? He just simply said the same thing. We can't ride the fence because why, James? Because a person who tries to do their life is unstable. Oh, I found how to take care of life. I'll ride the fence. I'll be in both worlds at the same time and see, I feel good about myself. And James says, you're unstable. Not in some things, but he says you're unstable in all of his ways. You see, Romans 8 and 6, Paul put it even plainer than that. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There it is. Carnality and spirituality are mutually exclusive of each other. There is no third road to heaven. The third thing you can do 
associating with what we would call worldly people. Paul writing to his brethren at Corinth in the 15th chapter this time, toward the end of that chapter, simply reminded us, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. Let's put it in a crude way, and we'll understand this. You can't run with the goats without smelling like them. (laughs) You get the point. You can't run with the goats without smelling like them. It's crude, but it's still true. Notice why that is true. Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes a list, and it's not exhaustive as we well know. He, had, he writes this list several times, and none of them were ever exhaustive. But he calls it the sins of the flesh. And he lists them there as each one, and they pretty much are comprehensive as they weigh. One word could cover several things, but it's not exhaustive. As he, may, as he gets through with that list saying, these, these are not good things, and notice what he says right after that. They that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul, why did you tell us that? He's saying to a Christian, stay away from these kind of people. Why? They're not going to take you to heaven. They're not going to lead you closer. They're going to take you further and further away. That was his point. These people are worldly minded. They're not going to help you grow as a child of God. That's not their intent or their purpose to take you further away. But then he adds what we call the fruits of the Spirit. But notice when he writes, when he says about the joy and the peace and long suffering and so forth, we say at the end of that statement, against such there is no law. Paul says, there's nothing here to forbid you. I'm not stopping you from doing these things. Against such, there's no law telling you not to. Why? Because these are the things that will lead you to heaven. These are things which will help you achieve peace of mind. These are things that be pursuing. Don't pursue worldly things. Pursue the godly things. That's what will give us peace up here that we want so desperately. James sums it up with two different things. In the last verse of this first chapter, when he said, Pure and undefiled before religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Here, James takes two things, widows and orphans, and for the moment says that he lets these become the sit-in for every good work a child of God is to do. And simply says, do these things, and this will help you have pure and undefiled religion. That is, religion that follows this. Now, what man says, that's pure and undefiled, do what? And what most of all? Keep oneself unspotted from the world. Why, James? Because it will not lead you closer to God. It will not have you peace of mind. It will destroy you. So we then were being warned, stay away from worldly-minded people. They're not going to help you. Another one that we find ourselves that will help us lose peace of mind is living in the past. Living in the past. We know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
We know when we are Lord of that great water grave of baptism, Paul just promises in Romans 6, we die an old man and we rise up what? A new one. Whose past life is buried, that past life is gone, it is forgotten by the blood of Christ, and from that day forward we move forward as a child of God, growing as we should under that life and the banner of God. But what are we warned to do in that process? We are not to allow sin hinder us and keep us from proceeding toward the goal of heaven. We should not allow that. Hebrews 8 and 12, powerful verse. For as I will, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their, see, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Remember no more. Paul said, uh, uh, that's the writer saying there that God says, I will forgive that old man. Paul described in Romans 6, raise an old, bury an old man, raise a new man. What? Forgetting the past. Moving forward from this day. And remember the Apostle Paul only used his past as a means of helping others. He didn't dwell on it. Even though at times he, I, he knew that he felt like he had done the cause of Christ a great harm, but yet he still used his example on others. You remember First Corinthians one fifteen. He says, "This is a faithful saying and acceptable saying. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners." There's not a period there. There's a comma. Why? Because says Paul says, "For I am chief of sinners." Why? Because Paul, even though he had been raised a new, a new child of God, had went through all that then known world and preached the gospel, what did he still remember? In the past, I persecuted my Lord's church. But he didn't let it hinder him. He didn't dwell on it. He moved forward as he should have as a child of God. We have to learn, and it's hard at times, because Satan is so... Powerful and he is very devious. But we must learn to press on. We must learn to just keep moving forward and never allow Satan to draw us away due to shame or remorse of the past. In other words, don't dwell on it. And I think our Savior said it and we've used this before and use it again because it's still true. No man putting his hand to the plow and doing what? Looking back. Don't dwell on what's behind you. Plow straight toward the goal of heaven itself. So we cannot live in the past. We also have to realize we can lose it by living what we call misplaced values. Popularity calls (laughs) and says, right now, this is the thing that's in. This is the thing everybody is doing. You've got to buckle under and become part of the crowd if you want to be in on everything going on around us. You need to please us. Don't please God. No, no, no. Take care of yourself. Worry about Him later on. When we think of this, and we think about what we would call it misplaced values and whatever popularity is for the moment, that sort of thing, we think of that word that we've been hearing for quite a long time, and that word has a very 
undefined definition because it is what everybody thinks it to be. And that's that word called tolerance. That word has been abused, misused, beat to death, changed to everything on the sun but what it is supposed to be. The Bible hasn't changed from day one and it will not change even after the end of time. If we want peace of mind and if you want to retain that peace of mind, we must, we must take a stand for the truth regardless of what others may think. It is not tolerance that we stand for. It is the Word of God that we stand for. But we're living in a time in which tolerance is the word of the day. Tolerance is the word to cover everything. Tolerance is a mean we have to accept it. Tolerance says you must go along. Paul writing to his brethren in Galatia after writing about the fact that he was marveled they were so soon removed from the gospel turns in verse 10 and asks them a question. He already knew the answer. And no doubt he was hoping his brethren in the province of Galatia would know the answer. When he simply asked this, Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Notice that statement's kind of plain. Paul says there's no room for tolerance. Am I here to please men or am I here to please God? We know the answer. We know the answer. When we lack the courage, when we lack the courage it takes to walk with God, we are no longer loyal we have become cowards. We have become cowards. This will cause us to lose our peace of mind. Ask the question, do you want to enjoy life and see good days? Everyone's going to say yes. No one wants bad days. Everyone wants to have enjoy life and see good days. Listen to the Son of God in the upper room. In chapter 14, verse 27, as he begins his talk with these men who are in a moment of panic and fear of wondering what's going to happen next, he again says to him, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Then he says simply this again, let not your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Now that's peace of mind. That is peace of mind. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If we want peace of mind, is not written in a book by some guy who claims to be a guru on it. It is right here. Here's the answer. 
Here is what will give us that which we want. But it also tells us at the same time how to achieve it, that we also can lose it. We can lose it and He shows us how. We're reminded of some words of wisdom that has been spoken before. It simply says this, Great people are not affected by every wind that blows. Like great ships, they sail serenely on and calm seas are great tempest. That kind of sums up the life of a child of God, doesn't it? We sail on serenely through calm seas or great tempests because we know if we walk with God and our faith, love, and obedience we talked about earlier is fully grounded. We always know our hands in His and we can get through it all. But if you want to lose peace of mind, take your hand out of His and try it yourself. And I guarantee you, you've lost it. You have lost it. We end by what Paul said in Romans, I mean, in his Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That statement is still true in the 21st century as it was in the first when it was written for the first time. This morning, is you're not a child of God on this occasion, Again, all things are ready. Waiting for you to respond to His precious invitation on this day. If you want to have true peace of mind, or we would say peace in your life, the only way you're going to ever achieve it is having that old man of sin washed away by the blood of Christ and baptism and raised to walk that new life. From this day forward, you will have the one that will guide you, that will help you, that will move along with you, It'll also tell you, even though you have burdens to bear, they're light and they're easy compared to the world around you. This morning, if you're a child of God who's lost that peace of mind, that you've gone back into the world, that you've committed things, sins which you know, that have taken that peace away, that you're living in the world again, you're away from God, while you have the time, while you have the opportunity, while you know it, Why not return to God on this occasion? Ask His forgiveness. As a child of His, He's promised you, I will forgive and I will forevermore forget. And once again, you can be walking on that narrow way that leads to heaven that you departed from. And truly, the peace of mind that you want will be regained as you walk from this day forward on that road. Think of these while together we stand and while we sing.